Hello and welcome to The Clubhouse, Golf Monthly's weekly look at the various different events around the world in golf. Today, we round up a big win for Kevin Kisner and ask if he'll make the Ryder Cup team. Plus, we preview the first week of the playoffs and a huge week at the Women's Open. I'm Gary Kigo and welcome to the Golf Monthly Podcast. The Clubhouse is brought to you by Titleist, the number one ball in golf, trusted for eight wins worldwide this week. Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse. My name is Dan, back once again, and I'm joined by Elliot Heath. How are you, mate? Hey, Dan. Yeah, very good, thanks. You all right? Yeah, I'm doing really well, doing really well. Talk me through your golf this weekend. Um, we were just chatting off air. You played quite a lot. And also, did you win that all-important match with your dad? Oh, yeah, I'm playing so much golf at the moment, it's a joke. So uh, <laughs> you've just got to make the most of it, haven't you? With Absolutely, this... mate. Middle of August, get stuck in. Soon it's going to be dark at four o'clock and just miserable. But um, <laughs> yeah, so sadly, uh, I lost my match last week with my dad. We went okay. out in the third round. Um, yeah, it was me against the other two blokes, so I'm being honest with you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, my dad's hit dodgy two shot on the first and he's like it's all right I normally hit four bad two shots around um and then got to about the eighth hole and I was like well you've hit seven bad two shots now. <laughs> so um, you said in the last round you had to carry him a little bit and you were hoping for a bit of a spark up from him but clearly clearly he's not he wasn't switched on no and then the, the annoying thing is he played the next day with my mates and they said that he played absolutely brilliantly so <laughs> he's um, doing it to spite you isn't he <laughs> he did admit to being a bit nervous though which Ooh. you know I, I wouldn't expecting the third round of the club match but I, I, yeah i didn't want to i didn't want to say it's only the third round uh but you know we all get nervous in the first tee every now and again yeah i mean if he's nervous in the third round what would he have been like in the semis <laughs> his legs have been going but i don't think you'd have got that far <laughs> yeah uh, you've been cut this week as well you said yeah i played friday night shot 60 broke 70 for the first time ever albeit it was on a par 58 so um yeah, oh, that's that's quite an important little caveat there. I, I, I nearly fell off my chair. Yeah, shot sixty. <laughs> I was like, okay. Yeah, um, yeah. Played Sunningdale Heath. A massive fan of that course. It's um, just yeah, an amazing little place right by the the main Sunningdale, owned by two great guys who have um, just a wonderful vision for the future of the club. And uh, yeah, it's just such a fun little course. I've played it so many times now, and, and I'm kind of getting my head around it. It's uh, got. Four par fours, 14 par threes, I believe. Oh, wow. Is that the one you can get around in like two or three hours if you if you put your mind to it? Yeah, yeah, two and a half. Oh, that's um, perfect. I love that. 18 holes. And I think, yeah, there's one hole where I hit driver, but now all the other ones, it's just like six iron off the tee on the par fours because there's just heather everywhere. There's trouble everywhere. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, it's, it's a brilliant course. If you haven't played it, I would recommend it to anyone. It's also a really good value as well. And the greens are amazing too. Well, sounds good. Is it? Is it got quite a low slope rating then? Do you get not as many shots or is it still just sort of pretty standard? I'll be honest, I'm not sure actually. I did it through the My England Golf app, so I just handed my scorecard in that way. And um, yeah, it went from 2.4 to 2.0, which was that. Uh... That's a big move down that low, that is, Elliot. That's a... Normally you hear of like 20 handicappers getting cut like four shots or, or 0.4 in that case. So yeah, good for you, man. Good. You're playing quite a lot. I didn't play this weekend, unfortunately. Um I'm doing the opposite of you, actually. I've actually pretty much stopped playing golf, annoyingly. But um, my fantasy team did get 100 points. Aston Villa lost and Birmingham got a point. So I'd consider it quite a good weekend. 
I'm top of the golf monthly league as well, so that's pretty huge. Oh, yeah, I did wonder if you were going to bring that up. So, are you a Birmingham fan? I'm a Birmingham City fan, yeah, for, for my sins. I was a season ticket holder when we were in the Premier League and I saw them win the Carling Cup in 2011. And then since then, I've kind of, I'm a, I'm a fair weather fan, should we say. But yeah, big, big rivalry with Aston Villa. They're a fun team to support and we've started the season well, so all's good. Better than supporting oh. Arsenal, anyway. Yeah, I remember that Carling Cup final. Fame for um, Laurent Koscielny and uh, oh. Wojciech Chesney, wasn't it? Oh, what anyway, a day, it's mate. a golf podcast. Sorry, mate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's move on a little bit. Uh, before we get stuck in this week, we just want to say a, a massive thank you to everyone who's given us a little uh, review uh, over on Apple Podcasts. Firstly, it really helps us out. It gets the podcast to other people's uh, devices. So that's really helpful. And then there's been some really good suggestions on it as well. Um, So I really want to thank user OOB12019. It's probably not his Christian name. Um, But yeah, so I really like the podcast. So we appreciate that. But then some great suggestions saying maybe bring back some some listener features. So this week, if you follow us on socials, you've seen we reached out for a few questions um, from from you listeners. So if you hang around to the end of the podcast, uh, we'll answer a few of them. We'll hope to make that a little a little weekly occurrence. Um, so yeah, if you can give us a review on Apple Podcasts, you know, give us some suggestions. We really appreciate that. And thanks to everyone who's done that um, in the past couple of weeks. So let's get stuck into it, Elliot. It's been another exciting week in golf. Let's start with the Wyndham Championship over on the PGA Tour. This was the final regular season event uh, of the PGA Tour and it ended, ended in a dramatic style uh, with Kevin Kisner winning a six-man playoff to, uh, to claim his fourth PGA Tour win. Kisner was previously 0-5 in playoffs on tour, so a huge win for him. And he was alongside Siwoo Kim, Kevin Na, Roger Sloan, Adam Scott and Brandon Grace, who all finished 15-under for the tournament. Uh, Adam Scott should have won it, probably. He missed a four-foot birdie putt uh, to claim the title on the first playoff hole. Somehow everybody made a par. We can come on to this. I don't quite know how. Uh, and then Kisner made a birdie on the second playoff hole, hit a lovely 9-iron into sort of three or four feet. And that was his fourth win on tour. Um, I said at the top of the pod, Elliot, could this be a, a Kevin Kisner pick for the Ryder Cup? Uh, we can come on to that in a second. But did you watch this playoff? I just I just enjoyed the dynamic of a six-man playoff to start. Yeah, I did watch it. It was a, an epic Sunday afternoon in front of the telly because it was a bit early, wasn't it? But um, yeah, I thought it was amazing. Really happy to see all six go out together. I was a bit worried yes. that they would go into two groups yes. like they did in the Olympics. I hated that. Because I, I just loved that at one point there were like six ball markers on the green. They were all within about three foot of each other. They were having to move it around. I just enjoyed that logistical nightmare. Do, do you think if, because Russell Henley three-putted, I think, to miss out on the playoffs, do you think they'd have done a group of seven? Or do you reckon they'd have split it then? And like six was the number they were looking at. Yeah, maybe they would have gone for two there. Yeah, it was funny because they were all missing the green as well. And the commentator rightly said, these guys shot 15 under par. But, <laughs> um, but then when they got up to the green, they would like just short game magician so that shows you how good they are like it, it wasn't a friday knock with their mates it was a, no. a pj tour playoff and you know millions on the line siwoo kim hit just an unbelievable little flop shot to about mm-hmm. four foot and then great bunker shots um kevin kisnerly chipped in didn't he on the first hole so uh, there was some great stuff <laughs> despite some very dodgy long game stuff it, it was an exhibition of short game stuff and to see five guys discounting Scott because he had the small putt like make up and downs from where they did and, and hold the putts they did was um was pretty crazy to be honest I, I found it I found it really cool uh and then luckily sort of Kisner it felt like when he hold that birdie putt he just put everyone out of their misery they were all struggling a little bit um what did you think to the Scott putt it, it looked like it could have been 
I think Radar on, on Skycom said that it was, he didn't pull it, he just misread it. But that was probably the easiest part of the green that he missed. Yeah, especially because he just saw Siwoo Kim hole it straight yeah. up the hill. And just before he went to play it, he got his greens book out, didn't he? So I'm not sure if that affected him, but uh, actually watching it, I got a little bit nervous for him. I don't know why. Maybe it's just because he had so many people um, that he was playing against. It was basically one against five, wasn't it? And he knew that all five guys in their caddies were willing him to miss. And um, yeah, as he hit that pitching wedge into three foot or whatever, I was like, this guy is seriously underachieved in his career. Like, how has he only won one major? He, sh- he should have won the Open when Ernie Els won it in 2012. And he should have won probably quite a few more majors because... He's just been one of the greatest players of his generation. Um, I guess a bit like Sergio as well. How those guys have only won one major each is beyond me. But um, yeah, that kind of summed up his career, didn't it? Just an amazing ball striker and mm. didn't quite hold the putt when he needed to. And yeah, I was quite sad to see him miss that, actually. Yeah, I really want to see him win it. And I think you've made the point there perfectly. Like he's he boomed a drive down there and just walked it out to that little sort of layup point. or well, not layup because it was miles down there, but that point in front of the creek you know, flushes a little wedge in and then the putt doesn't go quite there. That kind of sums him up a little bit. I think I think maybe it's something to do with the size of his putter and the way he putts. I just feel nervous for him. I'm like, it just doesn't look quite right. He doesn't look quite right over the ball when he putts. You know, I'm not I'm not saying I'm a great putter myself. I'm, I'm really not. But do you not think just a guy with a putter head that big just looks dodgy over the ball? Well, it's the length of the shaft, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Well, obviously, he uses that massive shaft, but he's also got one of the biggest putter heads on tour, I think. Like him and Brian Harmon share that, that yeah. absolutely huge putter head. Brian Harmon rolls it really well, though. But um, yeah, like surely Scott should just go out with a, a 34-inch putter and just you know learn how to to be confident on the greens because he's clearly got the ability to hold putts. I don't know; it must just be in his head because uh, yeah, it, it doesn't look right. And you know, if you're using one of those long putters, you, you've got to use it well, haven't you? And yes, it, it really didn't help him out there. Let's talk about Kisner then, who was the winner. That was his fourth PGA Tour win. Uh, as I said, he was 0-5 in playoffs previously. I think he made a sort of note to that as he came off the green, um, that he'd finally won one. Uh, quite a popular character in the States, I believe. A couple of the accounts I follow seem to quite like him. You know, a Southern guy, pretty cool, pretty laid back. Um, the, the chat has been then around since, since his win, whether he's going to get in the Ryder Cup team or not, Elliot. And he's obviously won the match play previously. Uh, I think it was in 2019. And, you know, with six picks for Steve Stricker, he's got to be on the radar now, whether American fans like it or not. Yeah, and for me, crucially, I think if you've got a putt to win a crucial match, I think Kisner's a guy that can hold it. Every time I look at him, I just... He just gives you confidence. Like, I remember um, hearing Gary Player always say that you need to keep your knees still when you putt, and that's something that I always think about. And his lower half when he putts is just rock solid. And, you know, that's the kind of guy you want at a Ryder Cup. I mean, I know recency bias will say, yeah, he probably should make the team. But um, even before that, um, I think Riggs from Barstool Sports, maybe the account you were referring to there, he said uh, drunkenly, I believe, that that Kisner should make the team like just before on on Friday or Saturday or something. Yeah, he did. I think he um, tweeted it just like totally just ignoring the fact he might do well this week. I think it's just what they believe. Yeah, and like, if I was uh, Steve Stricker, he's somebody that I would like on the team. He's, he's not a bomber, does nothing flashy, but I think when it comes down to it, he's a fantastic putter and, and a fantastic competitor. So, yeah, I feel like he should take one of the picks, but um, there's obviously a, a lot of competition ahead of him. 
it's so interesting that, that the Americans have got six picks and you just wonder who Stricker's going to go for. You know, they've obviously changed it because of COVID. That's why they've gone for six picks instead of probably just the four or maybe even three like Europe have gone. Uh, but listen, it's 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 a big statement when you do that. And he's obviously now well into the the playoffs and he's got a good ranking to hopefully have at least another couple of tournaments. Um, so obviously this is the end of the regular season. So we've got to chat about the, the guys who did and didn't miss out um, on that top 125. Biggest story, well, it joins both of these guys together is Justin Rose and Chesson Hadley. Let's start with Rosie, Elliot, because again, I'm always on Ryder Cup watch. This is made notice for the three weeks I've been on. It's just my <laughs> permanently what I'm thinking about. Rose finished 126th, um, so he won't be making it into the playoffs. Uh, he bogeyed the 18th, which I believe pushed him out the 125. So we're not going to see him now on the PGA Tour for a long time, and he's one of the the, the picks that uh, Captain Harrington's got to think about. Gussing for Rose, he came out and gave a really good interview, to be fair, at the Sky Cart when he looked, he was fuming with himself, um, to be fair. But what do you think of that, Elliot? That's quite a big miss for Rose, like... You look at some of the names above him in like, you know, 110th, for example, and no disrespect to them, but they're nothing like the player Justin Rose is. So for him to miss out on that one, two, five position is pretty brutal. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I was very happy to see him right at the top of the leaderboard after nine holes. But I think he's only played like 14 or 15 times this year, which is about five or six fewer times than sort of the average. So he's, he's sort of um, wrapping himself in bubble wrap I guess if that's the term that I'm trying to say like he's near the end of his career he's had injuries and you know he doesn't want to go too hard and, and I completely understand that but he does still have it I mean he finished what top five this week he bogeyed uh, the last because... yeah the top, I think the bogey left him in the top 10 as opposed to the top five but it was still a good performance from him to be fair right yeah I mean he's hit the fairway down the last one he needed to he's um in between clubs up that hill so I think he hit a really hard eight iron when he probably should have hit just a, a smooth seven and, and really that's all it came down to in the end so Harrington knows how good Rose is Harrington obviously knows what's happened there and um, it's going to be Rose, Poulter and Sergio I think who are the picks and, unless something really drastic happens but uh, I, I read that Rose is going to play in Switzerland at the European Masters he's going to play Wentworth as well so there's still time for him to make the team automatically because he's clearly playing very well now um, but yeah, I think he's going to be on that team no matter what. Yeah, I'm there. I do think the European picks are already in and I almost want to say they already know. I don't know how much they chat, but it's an interesting thing to keep an eye on. Um, so obviously Rose has got his card for however long he wants it pretty much. You know, he won the FedEx a couple of years ago, so he's got his playing privileges for at least the next year. Uh, but what his missed putt did mean was a great story that Chesson Hadley, who, who shot 62 on Sunday, claimed the 120th spot. Uh, and allowed him to keep his card for next year, he would have lost his PGA Tour card otherwise. Um, this was a great story, Elliot. And he he had a hole-in-one on the day as well, and his sort of reaction to it went viral. It was sort of very much uh, a reaction that I think you or I would have to a hole-in-one. You know, it's great to see a tour pro with that much emotion. Um, and so he had a hole-in-one, shot 62, made it into the uh, top 125, and then gave a really, you know, frank and emotional interview afterwards. Um, and I thought it was really good to see. Yeah, that was amazing. That um, hole-in-one was just quality and, and the celebration was even better. Um, yeah, I mean, like, you know, does Rose actually really care that he's missed out on the playoffs? I mean, a tiny bit, I'm sure, but nowhere near as much as Chesson Hadley cares about making them. So um, that was a fantastic story. Fair play to him. And I remember at the 2019 US Open, he finished like tied eighth or something and he posted a really funny video 
uh, from his car on the way home. So uh, he's actually a very good character, not somebody that I don't think many people know too much about, but he does seem like like he's a real laugh and, and clearly a great golfer too. And and who knows, you know, you get into that top 125 and if you can go on a little run, you know, why not make it to the Tour Championship? Who knows? But keep an eye out for him because that was a great story. Uh, my mate had a hole-in-one like three or four weeks ago. Um, I was playing with him. It's the first hole-in-one I've, I've ever seen, like live as it were. And we didn't quite know how to react. I don't know if you've ever had a hole-in-one yourself or you've, or you've been in a playing group that's had one, but we've watched the ball go near the hole. It's kind of gone in, but we're like, nah, are we sure? Is that going over the back of the green? And then the guys on the team in front started cheering. And we all just sort of ran around, like not quite knowing what to do. But that's why I love that reaction so much. It was so pure. So have you either had a hole-in-one or reacted to one, Elliot? Uh, yeah, I had one when I was about 14. Um, so needless to say, my dad was uh, very happy about buying the entire club drinks that day. <laughs> but um, <laughs> no, I've only seen one apart from mine, and that was actually Sam Tremlett, Golf Monthly writer Sam. Uh, and that was at my home club. And yeah, the next hole, like I think we were both just completely shocked. And, uh, I think Sam went on to chunk a wedge on the next shot because... <laughs> Uh, on the next hole, sorry, just because, yeah, we were like, we had like butterflies in our stomach, I think. It's like, yeah. what on earth has just happened? Like, you just don't expect it, do you? It's such a good feeling. And like, it's such a good feeling. I, I didn't even get the hole in one. Do you know what I mean? It was like, it, that. that's how good, that's how pure that was. But my mate put that ball in his bag and then said, because he was worried about snap hooking the next one off the tee. Because I think from there, the round doesn't even matter, does it? We were only having a little funny knock up anyway. So, yeah, great to see that from Chesson Hadley, a very pure reaction to a hole in one. Uh, so to round up the Wyndham then, some other notables to miss the FedEx Cup playoffs. Um, Ricky Fowler missed the cut this week and he needed a very good result to get through. Tommy Fleetwood finished tied 65th, which wasn't enough for him, despite a bright start on, on Thursday. Uh, Francesca Molinari missed the cut and therefore missed the playoffs as well. And then Rory Sabatini, who was, you know, Olympic silver medalist now, um, you know, a bit of a journeyman, lots of won lots of money, as we discussed a couple of weeks ago. Uh, finished tied 10th this week, but unfortunately didn't make it. So yeah, we move on. We move on into the playoffs now, and that's the end of the end of the regular season. Uh, a good season for the PJ Tour once again. Uh, let's have a look, Elliot, at the Kazoo Classic, which happened uh, on the European Tour this week at the London Club. Callum Hill winning his major, uh, maiden European Tour title. He beat France's Alexander Levy by one shot at the London Club. Richard Bland, Jamie Donaldson, Rasmus Hoygaard. Callum Shinkwin were all within with a chance on a pretty entertaining last day. Uh, they finished two back in the end. Uh, Hill's coming off the back of a tied fourth finish at the Hero Open. And it was a another, another Scotsman winning as well, Elliot. It was a pretty good story. I don't know if you watched much of this, but I thought the London club looked lovely, as it always does. Yeah, I watched quite a bit, actually. And yeah, I did think the course looked amazing. Um, never played there, like we said last week, and I definitely want to now. But yeah, really good for Callum Hill. He's been around for quite a while now. He's been up the top of the leaderboards uh, quite regularly. And Finished it off really well. Uh, he's got a beautiful golf swing, I think. Just a, it's just so simple. Doesn't look like anything can go wrong. And um, yeah, he had Rasmus Hoygaard chasing him down and, and he made a great par on 17 with a, with a lovely sandy par. And yeah, just uh, a really good performance from him. Obviously, the Scots are flying right now. So um, yeah, maybe this is a sign of things to come because it has been quite a quiet sort of decade for the Scots. And now there's some, some real talent out on the European tour. Yeah, it feels like the Scots are lining up now to kind of be the top Scot, probably behind Bob McIntyre at the minute. Uh, Alex Levy's 64 on Sunday was pretty cool. I don't know if you saw his drive on the 18th, but he certainly didn't leave anything behind. I love it when he really te when he really tees one of them up. He looks like he's going to put his back out, but that was fun to watch. 
And then another Frenchman, Victor Perez, had a, had a good finish. Well, a decent finish. I've written down here in my notes. Again, that's me on European Ryder Cup watch. Um, perhaps he'll get a pick. Who knows? Uh, elsewhere this week, the Women's Scottish Open uh, was another great event. Uh, Rhino Tool won her first LPGA Tour event in 228 starts. She closed with a bogey-free 8-under 64 at the mile links to win by three shots. Uh, Lydia Ko shot a course record 63 on Sunday to finish uh, minus 14, which was a tie for second place. Again, Elliot, did you see much of this? I thought Dunbar Links looked awesome. Uh, the wind was really up. You could just hear the wind just watching it on TV. There was just a constant backdrop of really strong wind. Uh, and to go around in, you know, 17 under or whatever it was, I think it was for Rhino Tool, is a really impressive knock. Yeah, I saw quite a bit of it. And yeah, they looked like they had some real Scottish weather there. The greens were unbelievably firm, weren't they? Like proper mm-hmm. Lynx golf. So... I think some of the Americans will have uh, really enjoyed that practice ahead of next week or this week, should I say, at Carnoustie. And yeah, I was rooting for Charlie Hull. I think she's playing so well at the moment, but for whatever reason, she's just not quite getting over the line. Saw her at the Aramco about a month ago and um, she opened with seven under, I think, in the first round. And she's just a class above of like most of the, the ladies out there. And um, I think she shot seven under at the other Aramco at Sotto Grande and then she had a fantastic opening round here as well and only managed to shoot four under, I think, for the last three days. So clearly playing great stuff. Just, I don't know, needs to believe in herself a little bit more or something because she's got so much talent. And, um, you know, how good would it be to see Charlie Hull win the, the Women's Open this week? Yeah, that would be huge. And she she started the, the Sunday Tide uh, with O'Toole, but O'Toole just sort of just dominated the back line pretty much. Uh, it would be great to see her win a major, especially the British Open or the Open. Sorry, I don't like slipping into that. Uh, <laughs> don't like slipping into the British Open. Um, I forgot to tell this story last week, actually, but, but my dad went to play Dunbarney Links like a few months ago, and they had to come off on the eighth, unfortunately, because it was proper Scottish weather, like sideways rain kind of weather. But he said for the eight holes he was there, he loved it, despite the fact he couldn't fill his hands afterward. Oh, that's a massive shame. Yeah, he was he was fairly gutted to be honest. But it was like you weren't you weren't you lined to play there a few a few months ago, but that got called off. Yeah, last year COVID got in the way, and um, yeah, haven't quite got over it to be honest. It looks lovely. I'm sure we'll get there one day. Um, so we'll we'll preview the the women's open uh, later in the pod. Uh, but to finish off this week's golf was the US Amateur, which I didn't I didn't know much about to be honest, Elliot. I know it's a very big event in, in the world of golf. Uh, obviously, this got a good bit of coverage on Sky Sports in the UK because. The Wyndham got brought forward because there was suspected weather. So this is kind of the, the dedicated coverage for the last few hours of last night. James Pyatt won uh, over Austin Greaser, which is a fantastic American name. Austin Greaser. Doesn't get much better. Uh, I watched none of this. So I'm going to let you sort of lead the way here. But it's a pretty cool event. And from what I read about it, as opposed to watching it, it was a pretty amazing back nine. Yeah. So I watched uh, Bryson win in 2016. And just ever since I watched that, like, I've just been enthralled with this competition. It's honestly one of my favourite events of the year. Like, just seeing two top US collegiate athletes go at it, you know, round an amazing golf course for a life-changing trophy. You know, it's one of the best trophies in golf that, I can't remember what it's called, but it's, you know, the gold, tall, beautiful trophy with the gold medal. And what an event this was at Oakmont. I think they were both ranked like 80th in the World Amateur Golf Ranks. So these were not the favourites by any means. But oh, wow. uh, they played so well. Austin Greaser, unfortunately, played quite poor on the back nine to let James Pyatt in. And Pyatt was, um, yeah, he, he just dominated. And uh, with that, he wins 
obviously the trophy, the history, but you know, Tiger Woods, Jack Nicholas, all the greats have won this. And he's going to play the Masters, he's going to play the Open, the US Open. Uh, so it really is just a life changing event. And yeah, just a great tournament. I thought Oakmont was absolutely awesome. So many cool, like short par fours on the back nine that these yeah. guys were really struggling with. And um, they were both carrying it like over 310 yards off the tee as well. So you'd think because they're amateurs, maybe they're not quite fully developed yet or whatever but no they were no. giving it an absolute <laughs> rip and uh, yeah just just a brilliant event um if you can catch the highlights i'd really recommend you to i might sit and watch a bit of that tonight because i was reading about it so the, the the tournament for those who don't know um they do two days of stroke play uh then they take the top 64 from that stroke play and then they play a knockout competition of match play so all those knockout games are 18 holes and the final last night was 36 holes um, and like you said, a beautiful course like Oakmont, you can't get much better, can you? Really, with sort of these young up-and-coming golfers who you're probably going to see on the PGA Tour in the next year, two, you know, maybe even challenging for majors soon. So definitely go and watch that if you can. And I, I'm gutted I didn't give it enough time at it, to be honest. I didn't take it seriously enough. Yeah, well, I think next year, you know, the US Am is up there with the majors, honestly. It's yeah. such a good tournament. Um, even like the last few years, you've seen Bryson, Victor Hovland, uh, Matt Fitzpatrick win so uh, it really does create the stars and um, the way they go now these collegiate athletes like <laughs> they're ready to win majors after like two years aren't they so um, definitely going to see Pyatt and Austin Grusher on the PGA Tour soon I think. Yeah definitely definitely I think Morikawa was out of Cal you know Victor Hovland went to I think OSU where Ricky Fowler went who wear the orange um, I try and keep up with my college golf but they are pretty much ready probably as juniors when they're like 20, 21 years old. So it's very cool. But I will watch the highlights of that. Uh, but now it's time to talk about our sponsor, Titleist, with the Pro V1 Golf Ball claiming eight worldwide wins this past week. First up, Kevin Kisner trusted the performance of the Pro V1X to prevail in the six-man playoff and claim his fourth career PGA Tour victory at the Wyndham Championship. The American was joined in the winner's circle by fellow Pro V1X ball loyalist Callum Hill as the number one brand in golf, top the golf ball, driver, iron and wedge equipment categories at the London Club. In addition, Titleist players also won on the LPGA Tour, Corn Ferry Tour, Korean Tour, PGA Tour Champions, Form Tour, and the Men's US Amateur Championship that we were just speaking about. To find out more about Titleist's fantastic product lineup in 2021, head to titleist.co.uk. Okay, Elliot, let's look ahead to next week. The Northern Trust, so the first event of the FedEx playoffs. We're in the postseason now, you know, to be really American about it all. Uh, Justin Johnson is defending his title from 2020. Uh, last year, the event was played at TPC Boston, but it returns to Liberty National this year. He won it by 11 shots last year and shot 60 en route. I don't remember that tournament, probably because I wasn't that interested because he won it by that much. Uh, as I said, it returns to Liberty National. Um, that golf course, it's like an old landfill site, but has that beautiful view of downtown Manhattan. Uh, the winner received 2,000 FedEx Cup points uh, and the top 70 will then move on to the BMW Championship next week. Uh, and this is the only FedEx playoff uh, with a 36-hole cut. We'll, we'll lose that once the field gets cut at the end of this week. Um, it's a really strong field, as you'd expect, but it'll be good to see John Rahm playing uh, for the first time on US soil since he won the US Open. Um, and it's just a race for the, the Tour Championship now, isn't it, Elliot? We've got to see who can get themselves in that top 70, then top then top 40, is it? Or top 50, then top 30. So it's, it's all these cuts now for the next few weeks. Yeah, it'll be top 70 next week and then top 30 the week after. And there might even be a two-week break in between. I'm not sure. I haven't actually looked at the schedule. But um, yeah, I mean, I've never been 
excited for the FedEx Cup playoffs. But being honest with you, this week I'm actually quite looking forward to it now it's actually here. Um, according to Nosferatu, the uh, official World Golf Ranking guru on Twitter, um, this could potentially have the strongest field of any tournament ever outside of the majors and the players. So, um, Jeez, set- that's quite cool. That's, that's something to get excited about. Yeah, I know. So definitely one that we don't really want to miss. Uh, I don't really know too much about Liberty National, although I've never really been too excited by it. I'm not really sure why that is. But um, yeah, it's got a great field. And I don't know how you don't remember last year, DJ shot the most disappointing 60 in history. Do you not remember what, that? What happened? Well, because I was doing my research before we came on today and they were previewing this week and they just said, yeah, he like won it by 11 shots, shot 60. I was like, I, don't, I just don't remember that happening. So was he like on towards like a 58 or something and then bottled it? Uh, it was more like a 57 or something, honestly. No way. Um, so he went out in nine under. Then he birdied 10 to go 10 under. He, yeah. Was it a par 70? Must have been. Yeah. Par 71. So it's a par 71. He was 10 so, under through 10? Yeah. So he was uh, nine under after nine. Yeah. 10 under after 10. <laughs> okay. 11 under after 11 on a par 60. On a par 71, sorry. So he needed to play uh, the last seven holes in one under par to shoot 59, two under to shoot 58, three under to shoot 57, and he parred his way in um, and even made a very disappointing par on the last hole to to shoot 11 under par 60. So, uh, yeah, definitely the most disappointing 60 uh, you'll ever see. And um, for those last seven holes, I mean, the whole golf world was watching. Twitter was going crazy. And DJ... (laughs) Uh, looked like he was playing in the final group of a Ryder Cup or something. He was that nervous on on Friday afternoon. So, um, yeah, no, it was great entertainment last year. I remember that really well. Can't believe I didn't remember that. Well, I mean, uh, part of me thinks I do now. Maybe it's because it was such an anticlimax. I just sort of pushed it to the back of my brain. But that was at TPC Boston, so it won't be as easy this week potentially at Liberty National. But I, I do remember Liberty National, and I just like it because it's got that view of downtown Manhattan. Whether I like it or not, I just remember it because of that. But I also, and you'll probably see it across the week, they'll always mention the fact it was a, a dump site basically previously, like a li- like a literal dump site. And they'll, they'll probably show some nice little clips of it getting redone. So that'll be fun. Yeah, and I think this is the last time we'll see this event now because it's being replaced by the uh, FedEx St. Jude next year, which is going to be a playoff event. And I think next week's BMW Championship is staying. So correct um, yeah so th- th- it'll be at it'll be at tpc southwind as well so uh, we saw that course a couple of weeks ago which was quite a good one to be fair uh if we look at the current standings there really wasn't much movement in the top 25 because these guys had a rest this week so morikawa leads uh, from spieth cantley harris english john rahm uh, abraham Anson made a good move after his win a couple of weeks ago um so you know expect these guys to be there or thereabouts it's it's at that stage though now where if someone even in a hundredth position wins this week, they'll probably head to the top. There's that many points available. Yeah, I'm not really paying too much attention to be honest. Um, just see what it's like at the Tour Championship. So even if someone is last into the Tour Championship and they go and shoot nine under par in the first round, like they've, they've got a chance. So uh, yeah, we'll see. It's um, a crazy time of the season. I mean, the format always gets it's criticisms but you know it does usually deliver and um especially when they're playing for 15 million dollars coming down <laughs> the back nine so uh, yeah I'm, I'm not making any predictions i'm just going to sit on my sofa and just enjoy the goal 
Yeah, well said. That's what it's there for at the end of the day. We don't need to get too hard on the predictions. But I, I agree. Are they changing it in so much as it, it isn't so weighted to the Tour Championship in the future? Or are they keeping it that if you're in that top 30, like you've basically got a shot? Yeah, so the the leader starts at 10 under, I think. And then it just oh, goes down like yes. that. Yes, that was it. Was it was this the period last season where John Rahm hold that massive snake input across the green? Am I getting my timings right again? Yeah, that was the BMW Championship at a really good US, former US Open venue that I cannot remember the name of. Um, but yeah, no, that was an amazing final round, wasn't it? Yeah, okay, so we're in that part of the season now. I can't believe that was a year ago already, that's flown by. Uh, but that'll be exciting. So, you know, it's the FedEx, it's fun, it's the postseason, we'll enjoy it. Um, so look out for that this week. Um, let's look to the Women's Open, Elliot, which starts this week as well. Um, we sort of had the the starter, if you will, of the Scottish Open. This is now the main course. Um, final major of the year in the women's calendar. Carnoustie is staging the 45th Women's Open. Germany's Sophia Popov is defending. Uh, she won her maiden title at Royal Troon in 2020. There was a great feature in the magazine, Golf Monthly magazine this month uh, with Sophia Popov. So uh, get, get yourself a, a hard copy of the Golf Monthly magazine if you want to have a read of that. Um, Nelly Cord is a clear favourite again. We always mention her name. Um, she's already won a major this year and a gold medal. So that's exciting. Uh, 8,000 fans will be allowed in each day. Obviously, there were none last year, so that'll be great to see. And it's an exciting event again. You know, a major championship, Elliot, last one of the year um, on conditions that the women don't play in that much. We obviously saw them this week. So yeah, it's an exciting event again. And can you see past Nelly Corder for anyone else as a favourite? Uh, yeah, I can definitely see past Nelly Corder because she can't just keep on winning, can she? She's, she's got to have a she's week off at some point. <laughs> um, and yeah, Lydia Coe's been playing fantastic golf for quite a long time now. So um, after that course record the other day, after being runner-up as well, yeah, I mean, I'd probably make her my favourite, to be honest. But obviously, there's, there's so many great players. Um, I will be rooting for Charlie Hull or anyone from Britain or even Europe, to be fair, mm-hmm. because... Um, the, the US Solheim Cup team is looking very strong. So, uh, yeah, just a, another great event this week that, that really can't wait for. Uh, so the Women's Open was held at Carnoustie in 2011. Uh, I was reading about this over the weekend. That the the club and the, the people who set the event up later said they presented a watered-down version of what is considered the hardest course on the Open Rotor. So it's really interesting to see that this year they've added 360 yards, turned it from a par 72 into a par 71, and it feels like the ladies are going to get a really tough examination of their game this week. Yeah, yeah, they always will at Carnoustie. And I think it was won by Yanni Seng in 2011, actually. Is that right? That is correct, yeah. Yeah, I remember that really well, watching it on the BBC, um, back in the, the good old days when the BBC <laughs> showed golf. But actually, uh, on that subject, I think Sky has shown seven hours a day of this this week. So we're going to be able to see it all. Um, and that's just fantastic. Uh, when you think just, you know, the women's game just keeps on growing. Um, Sophia Popov was an absolute no one last year and now mm-hmm. she's a huge name she she really is so yeah just a, a massive event this week in what is the, the final major of the men's and women's game yeah great to see Sky giving pretty much most of their coverage this week to that obviously the with the PJ Tour in the evening as well that works out perfectly uh, so keep an eye out for that this week finally this week uh, the D plus D real Czech Masters exciting uh, <laughs> Elder Albatross Golf Resort in Prague uh, this wasn't held in 2020 due to the pandemic. Uh, Thomas Peters won it in 2019. It's got a decent field. Henrik Stenson, Danny Willett, Podrick Harrington's coming back over. 
uh, Roy Sabatini and Marcel Seam I also picked out as interesting people. But I'll be brutally honest, Elliot, with what we've just previewed there, I don't think I'll be catching too much of this. Yeah, this is probably one that you're going to watch the YouTube highlights of, I yes. imagine, because it's, <laughs> it's probably going to be behind the red button, which, you know, is, is fantastic for the ladies because in previous years, maybe uh, the men's European tour would have taken priority. So, yeah, rightly so, that the Sky is showing the women's open first and foremost. And, uh, yeah, this is a nice event, obviously. Will it, well, everyone there has missed out on the FedEx Cup playoffs, as you mentioned. Um, and Danny Willett is somebody who I really did think was going to be in the Ryder Cup team after he won the BMW PGA a couple of years ago. Mm. Um, and he needs to get on a, a winning run, as does Henrik Stenson and a Ryder Cup stalwart. We spoke about Justin Rose. Well, Henrik Stenson is Justin Rose's foursomes partner. So, yeah, there's definitely Ryder Cup implications there this week, especially with uh, Captain Harrington playing, as well as Slovakia's Rory Sabatini, who would quite like to be on uh, Harrington's European team, I would imagine. <laughs> imagine the scenes i forgot oh yeah, yeah of course he's eligible for that now uh but like, like you said maybe for maybe you know not that long ago sky would probably left this on the main channel as opposed to behind the red button so it's good to see you know we've chatted about a lot about the Ryder cup earlier and we're going to come on to some listeners questions now um so thank you to everyone who sent these in um do follow us on twitter you know like the page on facebook we'll kind of send out some feeders uh to, for you guys to ask us questions every week you can dm us as well if one comes to you, you know in, in the middle of the night and you know you really want to hear what elliot has to say about that then do just dm us on twitter um but the first one this week elliot is from uh at dht reds who said will molinari be picked to form mollywood with tommy or do you ignore a four from four pairing um as i said earlier Molinari, Francesca Molinari, this is missed uh, missed the cut this week and won't be in the playoffs. He's going to come back to Europe. He's not showed enough form for me, Elliot, to, to get one of these picks. He's not going to qualify automatically. But it's a compelling case, I think, that Molly Wood was so strong in 2018. Would you bring him back? Well, yeah, it was strong. Molinari was arguably the best golfer in the world at the time, uh, along with Brooks Kepka. Tommy Fleetwood was a top 10 player in the world. And they're both not quite their former selves, are they? I mean, Fleetwood's going to be there automatically, you know, even though he's missed out on the FedEx Cup playoffs. And all year I've wanted to champion Molinari for the team. Uh, I remember he started the year with three top tens after moving to California last year and what was obviously a lot of disruption for him. But he struggled for injury this year. He struggled for form. And yeah, it does pain me to say that I don't think he's really got a chance of making the team, which if you told me that, Sunday night at Golf National three years ago, I would have um, not believed you. So, yeah, just, you know, three years is a very long time in the in the world of golf, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. And you think if this had been held in 2020, maybe he would have been. But that extra year has just kind of pushed him slightly off the off the ability to be chosen. Uh, it's a good question, though. Maybe a bit of form he might, but but who knows? He, I'd be content for that little Mollywood moment, that little four from four to, to just be kind of left there as it was in 2018 do you know what i mean just leave it everyone had a bit of fun that time and don't ruin it by bringing him back and him being rubbish again if you know what i mean yeah and also in paris we had you know some of the best golf fans i've ever seen in my life um, they were singing the the mollywood song weren't they to the, yeah. the yaya toro song yeah. um and i don't think they're quite going to get that out in um wisconsin this year yeah so. i can you imagine the Americans giving it that or like what little European fans are going to be over there? So I don't think they quite have the support. It reminds me of someone like when Cole Sartre shot 62 or whatever it was at Medina on his own. Like that was just a great time, but we're not going to bring him back at any point. So 
Uh, thank you for the question, though, at DHT Reds. Do appreciate that. Uh, another one on Twitter this week from at DB Booth. What's the greatest advice for a golfer looking to break 80? Asking for a friend, which I presume is him. He might be struggling to break 80 at the minute. Elliot, come on, you're off two. You've been breaking 80 for a long time. You shot 60 this week, despite it being a par 58. Um, help us out. I only broke 80 for the first time this year. I'm a 10 handicapper now, for those who don't know. So I'll let you start on this, Elliot. All right, I'm looking forward to your advice then. Um, but first of all, you need the ability. If you thin your chips, if you duff your chips, if you can't play out of bunkers, then you're really going to struggle to break 80. But if your technique is good, then um, it's all just course management and confidence. You've got to back yourself over every shot. You've got to have a plan. If you go in the trees, you've got to get it out to safety. If you go in the heather or the thick rough, you've got to get, get it back to safety. And if you're good enough to break 80, you will make a lot of pars. And you just need the patience to remind yourself that you will make pars and birdies after mm. maybe making a double and completely losing your head and then getting your driver out and smashing it as hard as you can. Um, yeah, you've just got to manage your way around the course, haven't you? But only if you have the ability. Um, if you're shooting in the 90s now, then obviously you probably need some lessons. But yeah, it's just golf's all about uh, how good your bad shots are, isn't it? Like everyone can hit, yeah. everyone can flag it from 120 yards occasionally. But you know, it's the guys that play off 36 or whatever that have some some very um, violent <laughs> shots in their bag. And the lower handicaps probably um, have quite better bad shots, I would say. Yeah, I think I agree with a lot of what you said, actually. And like I said, I broke 80 off the off the whites for the first time this year. And just having a tight enough short game, I feel like most 18 handicappers who are probably shooting, you know, high 80s, mid 80s, probably even in the 90s on their bad day, can get in and around the green on a par four for two, right? But then it's whether you turn that into a four or a six from nowhere. So if you're looking to break 80, it's keeping those sixes off the card that I found. I'm pretty sure I didn't double bogey that whole round. And that just kept me on the path. And like you said, I, you just you kind of make pars. You just make the par. And a bogey is your friend as well. I think I used to get really wound up with myself about a bogey, but I know I'm going to make enough pars to break 80. So don't get wound up about a bogey. Try and keep the doubles off and just tighten up that short game. If you're like close to breaking 80, it's going to be a putt or a chip here and there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's those duff chips, isn't it? Or. Oh. Yeah, where you're on the green for two and you end up with a four part or something. It's yeah, it's just all about short game. Yeah, I mean, you know, most good golfers can get themselves around the green in reg, or not if if not be on it for reg as well. You just got to get it in the hole as quickly as you can. Uh, so a good one there. Good luck uh, at DB Booth. Hopefully, you can break eighty soon. And if you do do it soon, obviously credit us because this is the inspiration you've obviously needed. Okay, from Tim Allen on Facebook. Why can't golf rules be made simpler? And I like this one. And a simple question as well. Um, so, you know, keep it on trend. I, I'll confess, Elliot, I've played a lot of golf. I've played since I was like four or five. I don't know half the rules. When I have to make a drop, I have to ask my playing partner, what am I doing? I, I'm really bad at it. And it, <laughs> it's not because they're not that complex because I'm a bit lazy, but I just think they're all a little bit faffy and a bit weird. Yeah. And I guess, you know, even the world's best players don't know the rules because they can't even take a very simple drop without asking a referee. And I know On you can them, say... That, that's me. I've got to ask my playing partner. So even like a, like a really easy one, like if I buy a sprinkler, I have to yeah. get the whole playing group round. And I know that you can say that they do that because they don't want to lose loads of money. But at the end of the day, they do it because they aren't 100% sure. So, um, And they're even like the simple ones. So yeah, golf rules are very complicated. Um, but the thing is, 
unless you play like a lot of competition golf, you don't really need to know them. If you're playing with your mates, you know, everyone knows the basic ones. And um, it is the competitions and the matches where maybe like the, uh, the tricky ones come up and, you know, you need to really get it right. Otherwise you're at risk of a penalty or a DQ or something. So, yeah, I mean, they have been made simpler as well in, in 2019. So I think that was one of the key ideas for the RNA and the USGA was to make them a bit more simple. Um, but yeah, I guess they always could be a little bit simpler, but there's just, there's a million different things that can happen on a golf course, isn't there? Well, that's it. And that's why they have to kind of write down rules for every single little weird thing that can happen. It's a funny game, isn't it, golf? And weird stuff can happen. Um, but I agree with that, that like I don't play a lot of competition golf, which is probably why I don't know the rules. But as long as I know enough to get by with my mates and not annoy them and take money off them without feeling bad, then I think that's you, you'll get by. Um, but I, they'll they'll start to make them more simpler. I think little ones like if you nudge the ball on the green accidentally now, that's not a penalty. There's a lot more common sense rules coming in as well, which is good, which kind of alleviates any confusion, I think. Yeah. Uh, okay, cool. Uh, Mark Hawkins, is Tom coming back to present or is Dan a permanent fixture? Now, I am filling the seat for Tom. He's having a well-deserved break. I think he's off all month, Elliot. Is that right? He's off for all of August? Yeah, he's taking time off throughout August. Obviously, it's summer holidays, as a lot of uh, listeners will know with, with children. Uh, and yeah, Tom's just putting his feet up, looking after his kids. So he's probably actually working harder than he usually does. But um, <laughs> I think that's it, basically. Well, he'll be he'll be back at, at some time in September. I think I'm doing next week as well. And then Tom will be back on. So there you go, Mark. Tom will be coming back. Um, finally, uh, this is from Facebook as well. Darren Watson, what should more money be spent on? A driver you use less times around or a putter you use more times around? I feel like it's like a leading question, Elliot. And I think Darren knows that it should be a putter. Um, I worked in American golf for a few years and I'd always try and suggest this to customers, despite the fact they wanted to look at the shiny new driver that had come in. But what do you think? That's interesting because if I was, if we're going on performance here, I would say spend more money on the driver and just get a 50 quid putter or whatever. And, you know, putters, are, they're all similar, aren't they? It's, you've just got to strike out of the middle. Ah, uh, that's a fair point. I just think, right, every driver since, I don't know, 2014, 15, they're all going to give an 18 handicap with the same performance. Whereas a putter that might cost a bit more, like a Scotty or something, that feels great in your hand and comes softly off the face and has got a nice head cover, makes you feel a bit better about your putting. And it's such a feel and touch thing that if you do spend a bit more on a nice one, you might get more payoff for it. But I can see on the flip side that it's such a touch and feel thing that you might get on with a 20 quid putter as, as much. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think if you're going for for looks and stuff, then yeah, spend all your budget on a Scotty. Nothing looks better than a Scotty. And oh. it will make you feel good and, you know, all that jazz. But spending more money on a driver, I think, getting custom fit as well. This is coming from somebody who's a terrible driver of the ball as well. So I know just how important it is to find fairways and, and stuff. So if you can get something in your hands that you like, to be fair, it might not even be the most expensive thing, but I think having a, a driver you like is a lot more important. Definitely. And do you get do you get on your driver at the minute? Are you happy with yours? Uh, sometimes, yeah. But um, <laughs> there are those rounds where I get the driver gifts. It's happened sort of all my life where I just step onto a tee and I just, I know that there's no way I'm finding the fairway before I've even hit it. So, yeah, woe is me, I guess. I don't even carry a driver, mate. I've left mine in the garage for the past like three or four months. I just get on my three-wheeler enough and, and don't worry about it. 
but I definitely spend more money on putters than I do woods and drivers. I don't know why. They're just more fun to spend money on, I think, more than anything. I know it's not great advice, but they're just a bit more fun. <laughs> so are you a fellow driver yip sufferer as well? Oh, mate, absolutely, yeah. I'll absolutely join that team. I just like echo what you just said. Like, you know, you get on the team, you're like, I'm, this isn't going to go, this isn't going to go anywhere where I want it to. And then I go down to a three, which is what, you know, a three was a couple inches shorter. It's got a tiny little head. I feel great with that. I feel absolutely, I feel like I could hit it anywhere. So I've just, just don't even put it in the bag. It looks a bit weird because everyone's like, oh, where's your driver? You, you left your driver. And I'm like, no, I'll just, I'll just stop bothering. I don't even carry a three wood at the moment because uh, I've got the three wood yips as well. So um, <laughs> there was a time last month where it was either driver or four iron, which was pretty tough. But uh, I'm, I've just about worked the hybrid back in. But yeah, That's three wood just, I just either snap hook it or slice it. So um, yeah, it's tough. The hybrid, the hybrid's a nice option. Once you get that firing, that is a nice one to fall back on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but but to Darren's question as well, lessons lessons are very good value for money a lot of the time. I wasn't allowed to say that when I worked at American Golf, but I can now because that's good <laughs> advice. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, whatever on. your budget is, Darren, I would just spend it on lessons because that is, uh, yeah, the, the quickest way to improve. Although you know, if you want to treat yourself, then then go for it because oh, there's yeah. some, some great stuff out there. It's beautiful. It, it performs well. So. Um, yeah, just just do whatever makes you happy, Darren. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. That should be the answer to any question as well. Just do what makes you happy at the end of the day. Uh, and if your driver has got a massive dent in the top, maybe go and find one or find a nice forgiving one. Um, but yeah, that's that's all the questions we got this week. Thank you to everyone who responded to our question on Facebook and Twitter. Like I said, we'll, we'll put feeders out in the week. So follow our socials and do just DM us if you have anything that's burning that you want to hear us answer next week. Um, and again, thank you to the reviews on, on Apple Podcasts. They're really helpful. And any suggestions you want for the pod, uh, do put them on there. But I think that about wraps it up, Elliot. Thank you again for having me in the hot seat. Yeah, thanks a lot, Dan. Um, top job as always. And uh, yeah, look forward to chatting next week. Yeah, look forward to it, Elliot. Uh, thank you so much for listening. And the Clubhouse will be back next week. <laughs>